0: How are you doing Arizona Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Arizona Podcast. I'm your host Dex.
1: Please tackle 14 for Arizona. That's the difference in the football game. He was amazing. Tate is doing things that I see. Reggie Bush didn't do, Matt Leinert didn't do, Marcus Mariota didn't do. Marcus Allen didn't do. He's won four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week award. That?
0: An
2: absolute
0: strike. A pass that couldn't have been thrown any more accurately from chill
2: inside. Extra, you guys kind of have to do this week uh, to make sure you can contain them on Saturday. Great.
1: Arizona, Arizona, Arizona,
0: Arizona. Uh, we're now on iTunes, uh, Google Play. And tonight we're going to publish uh, to YouTube. Uh, remember, we are the Arizona podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha Zona podcast. When you enter your search, remember to follow Gabe at Gabe underscore Encinas and Brandon Combs at UV Beardown 07. Check out Arizona Desert Swarm.com for all your latest Wildcat news and articles from Gabe and Brandon and the rest of the Swarm crew. Uh, I tried to get Ryan to come on the show to do a Zona soccer episode. Uh, make sure you guys hit him up on social media and uh, and pressure him into giving us the latest on the uh, Lady Cat soccer team after a record-setting season last year. Follow the podcast on Twitter at PodcastZona. Visit us on Facebook at The Arizona Podcast and email the podcast at podcast at gmail.com. Please send in any questions, comments, feedback. We're happy to make changes to the podcast as you guys need it. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Gabe, uh, you were covering the Marana Horizon game this Friday. I enjoyed your, star- your story on Arizona Desert Swarm about uh, Jordan Morgan. It was nice to get some more tape on him. His early tape was pretty brief. Um, I thought he had a decent kick step and was loose and fluid in the hips without any waist bending. Uh, he kept his hands engaged and wasn't too grabby. Uh, I I would like to see a little more nasty in his game. Uh, Tell us how you feel about the Arizona commits performance.
2: Yeah. So this is kind of the first time that Jordan is actually a full-time starter. Last year, he had someone kind of ahead of him and he was still pretty raw and still is pretty raw, but uh, now he's a full-time right tackle and he played some defensive end uh, throughout the night here and there. Overall, at right tackle, I was pretty, pretty pleased I mean based off his limited film you could kind of see his athleticism he's 65 265 and uh, it's a really lean 265 I mean he could easily add another 40 pounds when he gets to Arizona get up to 300 uh, but he's super quick he's got a lot of athleticism and like you said that kick step I mean nobody's really gonna go around him on the outside he's really gonna force a guy a defensive end or a, a Rushing linebacker, he's going to force them uh, to work the outside and he's really just going to take him out of the play. Uh, he's got good strength too. Once he gets his hands on you, he'll lock you up and uh, you know, re- really strong overall. I felt uh, I think there was some times where he, I think mostly in run uh, running situations, he would lean into a defender and sometimes he would just completely whiff and kind of fall over. So I think just getting that balance right instead of just leaning into a guy is probably where he needs to work on overall, but uh, really seem to be solid. And, you know, really, Moran is interesting because it's mostly just passing uh, Trenton Borgay is one of the top quarterbacks in the state, but still has no power, no offers at all. But. Um, but really, Morgan just kind of controls his own space, and uh, he likes to do a lot of hand play and just kind of shove a guy off and, and protect his side of the pocket. And so it was really nice. Defensive end uh, didn't do a whole lot. I, I think they were anticipating a lot of uh, outside tosses or just some some kind of option stuff or outside because he was really just containing the edge and just making sure he was sealing that not a whole lot of action there and then he was uh, limping uh, off his right foot quite a bit towards the end of the game and Miranda ended up holding off for the win and it it was good to see Jordan and uh, I hope that he can uh, develop some more he's got a pretty good coaching staff down there at Miranda and so for for being so low in the rankings I think he's definitely a guy with a lot of upside and just a guy overall who is going to be a big time contributor at Arizona and potentially a starter uh, in two or two years or so.
0: Yeah, it was great to see that uh, the Arizona connections with uh, Morgan, as he's coached by, um, as you point out, Arizona's wild uh, Arizona Wildcats uh, Kyle Quinn and uh, former defensive line coach uh, Vince Amy. As the commits were racking up a couple weeks ago uh, for Kevin Semmel, and I was wondering if we were likely to see some gray shirts from the early commits in this class uh, specifically i thought jordan morgan might be one of those uh do you think we have any gray shirt candidates in this class brandon
1: i'm not so sure with the current commits that we have any any gray shirts um jordan morgan definitely in my opinion uh would not be one uh just because you know that arizona needs bodies on the offensive line um he is a very talented individual very athletic and um you know very coachable so i think i think that he'll come in and uh at least red shirt um one person i was i would say to to keep an eye on as a possible gray shirt candidate would actually be a former arizona commit uh cornerback logan wilson um i know that uh like sorry excuse me i think that uh, you know arizona definitely wants him in the class in some way shape or form and i think a gray shirt uh you know, can can be the way that they can get him in. Um, you know, he's he's definitely someone that I think can take that red shirt and not only just become. You know, he's already a great, solid, in my opinion, cover cornerback. So I think that he can take that red, uh, gray shirt season rather and actually just improve on his game, uh, add a little bit more weight to his frame. And uh, coming just ready to go uh, for his freshman season. So, uh, as of right now, that, that'd that be the only uh, gray shirt candidate that I can see.
0: Yeah, I know there's sort of this negative connotation when we talk about gray shirts, but if you look at a guy like J- Jamie Nun- Nunley, who is a gray shirt, you know, I think we're going to expect great things from him this season. And so, I don't think it necessarily has to be some sort of uh, negative uh, disparagement we cast on. on uh, players who take that route for whatever reasons, whether they match up with the class, if they need a little additional time, uh, to, to mature into their bodies, etc. Uh, Gabe, I know you and I have discussed gray shirts, uh, that have done well for Arizona. Uh, who stands out for you?
2: Uh, well, I think one of the biggest ones that was initially supposed to be a gray shirt, but didn't end up gray shirting was Demetrius Flanagan Fowls. Uh, there was some issues when he transferred from Tucson high to mountain view, And he had signed a letter of commitment on signing day. And I guess over the course of the summer, he was somehow cleared. And then he ended up contributing. And he's been playing for the past three years, now entering his fourth as a big-time contributor. He's kind of the main one where I think there was just this gray shirt process that kind of got sorted out. One guy who I really wish, and I mean, he's going to be needed this season is antonio parks he tore his acl in his senior season and then had to gray shirt that upcoming spring i think he was the class of 2015 Uh, he turned down clemson for arizona and uh, had been at corner for some time but still cut recovering from that acl tear moved up to free safety and spur this spring now he's back to corner given all the depth issues I'm hoping he can at least crack the top four right now. There's quite a few injuries there and just a lack of depth. And you hope that he can come up. Jamie Nunley, like you said, supposed to have a great season this year and, you know, hopefully becomes that vertical passing threat. You have Bryce Woolma, who's more of the traditional guy, but Nunley, you could really do a lot of creative things with him. Other gray shirts, uh, I know Daryl Cloy. He had to go to prep school with Devon Brewer as well uh cloy came in as a tight end then flipped to dn then medically retired devon brewer he's an interesting cat he came in that spring and he was running with the ones at free safety i think that might have been a 2016 season maybe 2015 actually because he's he's yeah i'm not sure 2015
0: sure for sure i just looked them okay
1: yeah i so. think br- i think br- was he came in in
2: 15, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And so he came in with the first team and then kind of just phased out more of a special teams guy. But uh, Gray Shirts, at least uh, recently under Rich Rod, I know he got real Gray Shirt happy in the 2015 16 classes. And in 16, a lot of guys decommitted because of that uh, once they started filling up their class pretty quick. I think they had like 18 commitments through July. Um, so that was pretty crazy to have those numbers. So uh, gray shirts definitely turn a lot of guys off. But I think those are kind of your your big group of gray shirt guys over the last few years, at least.
0: How about you, Brand? Anybody stick out to you?
1: I would have to say it's uh, Nunley, just because, um, I mean, he kind of broke out onto the scene last year. I, you know, as Gabe said, he... He gray-shirted, but and I think it was due to injury and then he came back in and red-shirted his freshman year and then you know last year actually got a lot of playing time, uh, mainly due to an injury to, uh, to Trevor Wood and, uh, but in you know uh, once Nunley played and, and sh- showed what he could do, he didn't look back and uh, kind of overshadowed Wood um, who ended up making a move to the defensive end uh, near the end of the season. But uh, I, I expect big things from Nunley this year. Uh, like like Gabe was saying, Wilma's your, your prototypical um, tight end candidate or tight end player, rather. Uh, Nunley is you know, 6'5", 230, 235. So he's a big body, but he, he very much reminds me of a, of a big wide receiver. He has really good hands, and he's actually pretty quick. So I expect him to, yes, line up along the line. Um, but I also expect him to uh, expect Arizona to split him out wide, um, kind of like what what the you know projections are with Wilma as well.
0: Yeah, we're going to definitely need to have our tight ends not only involved in blocking with the offensive line, making a big transition, but with uh, our wide receiver core, making a big transition, especially on the outside. It's going to be nice to see the the tight ends step up and, and give uh, Khalil Tate some additional targets. Um, so, Gabe, are uh, punters people, too?
2: They are people. Often I forget about them, and I know it wasn't the most interesting, at least when uh, we had some issues last year, and it's just... uh, it was hard to hard to watch last year, but but they're people too. Rich
0: Eisen would be very proud of you, Gabe. Uh, so uh, Dylan Klump is expected to help the Wildcats squad that ranked 111 in special teams efficiency last season. Uh, Dylan, who averaged uh, 43.9 yards per punt for 96 punts over the last two seasons, uh, this places him at 10th in the Pac-12 last season but it is a significant improvement on Jake Gatling's 35.9 yards per punt and Josh Pollock's 34.6 yards per punt. Uh, Cowell actually ranked 79th nationally in net punting yards while Arizona came in at 129th, which is dead last in the FBS. Klump's net uh, punting average moves him to 6th of the Pac-12. How big a deal is it that we have an instant performer, Brandon?
1: Man, it's, it's huge. I mean, I can't... I mean, what we... I would say... Three, at least four games slipped away from Arizona just because of poor punting performances. I mean, it may have been even more, honestly, um, but haven't haven't clumped in. Uh, you know, that's then that kid can boot it down the field and that can, that can, you know, he can flip the field very quickly and that, that will only help Arizona's uh, defense when, when, you know, he, after practice this week and, you know, you hear him talking to the media and everything. And he was talking about, he really loved uh, the weather down in Tucson. It's actually added 10 to 15 yards. I mean, you know, averaging 43.9, you know, 44 yards a punt pretty much. You had another 10 to 15 yards to that and forget about it. Like the opposing offense is going to get terrible field position and Arizona will win the field position every game, every time. So, yeah, I expect big things from Clump this year. I expect uh, Arizona's punt game to significantly improve. Um, I even, you know, heard about guys that, you know, when Clump first came out to practice and was booting them down the field, uh, people were like, you know, other players were just mesmerized because of how just amazing his punting was. So I, I expect big things from him this year.
0: Yeah. Was it, um, who was it on the sideline that was, uh, on the video you could hear him yelling when the first punt went off on that, on that day video. Do you guys remember?
1: I think it was JB
0: Brown, honestly. Yeah, one one of the wide receivers or the defensive backs was, you know, clapping or saying saying something about his punt when, when it went off. So Yeah, Maybe I mean if a he- son- maybe shun brown yeah it was somebody like that it was somebody more high profile but he you know the male mouth drop um i guess you can hear the difference when he nails it kind of like hitting the sweet spot with your driver um yeah if he moved his average up another 15 yards and was hitting 58 to 60 yards that'd put him top of the pack uh real quick so um but i think his net average uh speaks to the fact that, you know, he's he's putting the ball in the right location and, and putting the appropriate hang time, it's not always about all the distance you get, depending on the circumstances, obviously. Uh, speaking of special teams, Coach Springer was uh, recently uh, the coach in the post-practice media huddled. Uh, he noted he didn't have a kicker, uh, excuse me, he noted he didn't have a kick return guy yet. Is he just being coy, Brandon, and who do you expect to win the job?
1: Uh, for when it comes to kick return, I mean, he may be, he may, you know, He might be being coy, but uh, it's it's very possible that he's not. It's probably, you know, he might want to make that decision at the very last minute just based on uh, performance or whatnot. But I I would probably expect um, uh, maybe Shun to be one of them. And, man, maybe I would say JJ, but uh, maybe even uh, Jalen Bailey, who's a freshman, um, just because I know he's been... Uh, working with special teams, uh, uh, special teams units since he got the campus. Yeah, I think that that
2: would probably have to be my two picks. Yeah, that's tough. I think I think Sean is is definitely one of the guys, and then really you just have this this mix of guys who could really get in there. Devon Cooper, I guess I wouldn't rule out. I know uh, that Brandon is big on Devon. You got. Maybe Stanley Berryhill in there. Uh, you know, you I could throw I'm you sure. could throw JJ Tony Ellison. Kind of did some returns last year, uh, or Cedric Peterson. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's just kind of a hodgepodge of guys right there that you could throw in there. I I, I don't know too much about Jalen Bailey, um, but definitely another option there. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to go on just some some other guys i would go devon uh yeah i think i'm sticking with devon maybe right there just because of his speed and i I think he he actually had some he was in the doghouse for a bit under rich ride once he left the team for whatever reasons but i think that he's a guy that has some decent experience i don't know if he's actually ever taken a return but at least he has experience being back there so I, for now, I think I would take Devon on that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Coach Springer did mention that he's looking both at, at the wide receiver and the defensive back group, so there's not going to be any limitations there. Gabe, Coach Springer described uh, Dylan Klumpf. Um, he's a pocket punter, a pro-style pocket punter. He's not a rugby Aussie guy. Uh, are you going to miss the rollout punts, Gabe?
2: Oh, not at all. I uh, <laughs> Those are just terrifying when – when you got somebody taking like three steps and especially with all the shanks that we saw last year it just seems like it's just another opportunity to just miss drop the ball or take a misstep or have kind of too long of a stride or too short of a stride and then you just end up reaching um you know also if you don't have a good block on the edge that uh, that's just a little more terrifying to me so I won't miss it. I am looking forward to seeing Dylan punt, uh, especially if if he says that this elevation and weather really helps the ball. Uh, That's going to be huge for Arizona. Just having that consistency, uh, knowing that he's going to be able to get you uh, or get your defense in a little bit better field position. Uh, it's kinda like the, the punt re- or yeah, punt return situation a few years ago with like Devontae Neal. Like it's just terrifying when <laughs> when you see him back there. Like that was kind of punting last year. It was just terrifying um to see what would happen. So I think Dylan's gonna be huge for them this year. Kinda interesting
1: that this was brought up too, because Gabe and I just just got done talking about uh Kyle Ostendorp and his punt average last season. Um and then we started looking into uh, just the state of Arizona high school punt averages and uh, uh, Ostendorp I think was second or third in the state with yeah, a second. 41.9 yards per punt but uh, we kind of find out that a uh, five-star quarterback Spencer Rattler was first with like 43 so kind of interesting
2: also interesting to see Austin McNamara he's the number one punter in the country by just about by 247 by Chris Saylor and I think Cole's um, but he was actually fifth in the state last year with 39 yards. So kind of interesting would make you kind of wonder what exactly goes into those rankings. Cause Austin is, he's low in the rankings by Chris Saylor. Uh, I think he's a 4.5 star, which is kind of like a borderline D1, D2. Um, but I mean, he was second in the state last year and not sure how he did this past week, but um, you know, pretty interesting to see. And so hopefully he starts getting some attention.
0: Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the special teams rankings more from the camps than than game film and scouting?
1: Yeah, so during the off season it's more yeah, it's more during the camps and everything. I do mm. I think I've seen before Chris Saylor actually rank guys or at least evaluate guys based on game film, but uh, from what I understand it's mostly due to camps.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the one specialty where, you know, putting the pads on probably doesn't matter other than the pressure aspect of it or maybe if you just have a timing issue. Um, regardless, it's uh, going to be nice to have someone who can field the snap and successfully kick the ball and hopefully not shank it at all. Uh, that, was the, that was the real nail-biter last year, so that'll be a huge improvement. Uh, so, Brandon, there's a battle-at-place kicker. Um, uh, who's your money on? We got Lucas Havaricek. Uh, he was three for four, uh, for 75% average or Josh Pollock, who was 11 for 15, with a 73.3% average.
1: My money's on, uh, my money's on Lukacs, man. Like I think Lucas is going to win it this year. He's just, that kid is so, if you watch him kick, he's just so calm and collected. Um, and this is nothing against Josh Pollock whatsoever. Um, uh, Gabe, and I have talked about this before. in my opinion, I think that Haversick should have been kicking all the field goals last year, and Pollock should have been punting because Pollock's actually a pretty good punter, even though he had some issues uh, in a, I think one game last year. but that was just that was just Arizona punting last year. but um, yeah, I, I, I fully believe Haversick is going is going win it just because he I mean he nailed a, his first field goal this season was a fifty seven yarder during against Washington State. so, yeah i think that i think that he can win that easily
2: that 57 was uh tops in the country so i mean he's he's got a leg and he's just a true freshman and or well he was a true freshman and in high school i mean he was touching back i think like 70 percent of his kicks when he was on kickoff so he's just got a boot man
0: yeah as you guys mentioned last season uh, have uh and pollock split the duties on place kicking Pollock was a short kick guy with that on long kicks uh, as he's got the range, as you guys mentioned, up to 60 yards. The combo of the two kickers was eighth in field goal percentage and 11th in extra point percentage. Coach Springer made it clear, as you pointed out, Brandon, uh, that they're going to have one guy uh you know, and not split the duties. Although it's clear that uh, Lucas is going to be the kickoff specialist because of his range. Um, I think you guys have stated that you pretty much agree with this strategy. Is that, is that a fair statement?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. All right.
0: Um, Coach Springer uh, was asked who are the leaders on special team? Uh, he answered quote starters, but they're in there setting the example of how it should be played no matter if they're on a one or a four on the team. Uh, He went on to list players like uh, DFF and JJ Taylor and Tony Fields and Sean Brown with the obvious exception of returning the ball. Do you expect any of these guys to play special teams, Gabe?
2: Uh, Not a whole lot. I mean, there are, you know, historically some starters or some starting caliber rotational type guys that get in on there. Um, But overall I, I think that it's just mostly a good spot for, Freshmen or younger guys to get on the field; uh, those are the guys who just kind of put in the effort in practice, and they're 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 putting in the work in practice, but they're not quite ready for a rotational role per se on their respective side of the ball. But I think a lot of the freshmen and sophomores, and a lot of freshmen in this past year, um, had their red shirts burned, or in the past two years even. So I think a lot of freshmen incoming, a lot of the red shirt freshman guys, they're going to get their looks on special teams and kickoff. You don't really need your, your star guys going out there. You know, in the past, I I remember Trey Griffey was out there, I think. And that was probably like your biggest name. Trevor Wood would be out there occasionally on kick return. Uh, But yeah, aside from returning your, your, your primary returners, on kick return it's going to be mostly your young guys and so i think that's mostly how it'll go
0: gabe our man stanley Berryhill has earned a scholarship uh you posted an article covering this on arizona desert swarm he has proven the spring game hero haters wrong and is looking to make an impact game one against byu tell us why he's earned a scholarship and how much playing playing time do you expect him to get
2: yeah, this was uh, pretty exciting news on Saturday, and uh, just always kind of that feel-good story, just knowing that they don't have to pay tuition anymore and that their hard work's going uh, noticed. And so he was originally from Tucson, went to Orange Lutheran in, in Southern California. And last year, even as a true freshman, he walked on and he kind of heard his name here and there after practice. And, you know, he was kind of those walk on potential guys that you kind of figured would maybe get some looks later on in his career uh but didn't get utilized at all not even on special teams under the last staff and uh, he must have turned some heads this offseason when the new staff comes in because he had a pretty extensive role in uh the spring practices and the spring game as well and so uh just a hard-working dude and really starting to turn some heads and really kind of odd to see him uh you know he's never played a snap at the college level and he was uh uh selected for the media huddles that they have there and so he was in that interview when you have your headline guys like shun brown and khalil tay and all those guys so uh really interesting just to see how how far he's come in such short amount of time and i think he's going to have a pretty good rotation this season shun brown and probably brian castile are probably going to be your two starters in the slot and then you'll rotate barry hill in and or oh you'll have tony ellison so you have tony ellison brian castile and shun brown and then stanley's probably going to get a good mix there especially in this noel Mazzoni offense it's really tailored for him and you can go back and watch his spring game highlights where, you know, he's, it, Khalil's taking just one step back and shooting it out in the flats, and then Stanley's doing the rest. And so just a super elusive, wiggly guy, 5'9, 170. Uh, been receiving a lot of praise in fall camp. I think it was Chase Whitaker. He was saying that he's the toughest receiver to guard. Uh, so kind of similar to Samaji Grant, however, one would always say he was the guy just a combination of strength and speed and Barry Hill kind of has that going on for him so I expect a pretty big role for him I think he's going to be a pleasant surprise and uh really happy for him and his scholarship that was uh on on January 1st this year he said that he was gonna that was his goal was to earn a scholarship and so uh took him you know two weeks in the fall camp to get that.
0: Yeah, you get the feeling he's the kind of kid that when he sets a goal, he's likely to achieve it. So that's a real nice story. And obviously a lot of his uh, teammates were uh, pretty excited for him. A lot of the the other players on the team were tweeting out the fact that he got a scholarship. So uh, one of those guys that obviously has a lot of appeal across the entire locker room. So, uh, Sports Illustrated brought us the uh, Khalil Tate cover, and now they bring us the Ed Oliver uh, poster board talk. <laughs> Oliver t- <laughs> Oliver told SI's Andy Staples, quote, I wanted to be because I gave Khalil Tate a nightmare in reference to why he was going pro. I watched the cut-up of all of Ed Oliver's plays against Arizona last season. Uh, I understand it's going to sound crazy to say this about the 11 tackle performance that also included a forced fumble and a blocked kick from the presumptive number one overall pick in the NFL draft, but he didn't give me nightmares. Uh, granted, the strip tackle uh, and forced fumble from behind on Brandon Dawkins was a great play. Still, the thing that gave me nightmares was Brandon Dawkins' passing accuracy. Also, Rich Rod switching quarterbacks innumerable times to the, end of the game. Those gave me night. Those gave me nightmares. Not Ed. Uh, Brandon, who is going to wake from a cold sweat on the night of September eighth?
1: Uh, it's not going to be Khalil Tate. Um, th- That's he's pretty cool, calm, and for the most part. So. I, th- I think that's just Ed uh, Oliver and granted he is very talented but I think that's just him trying to make a statement on a Heisman contender that he is playing uh, this year that's that's really all I believe that that is um, uh, he he was going to go pro regardless he made that decision last year before even playing Khalil Tate, so I don't I don't buy it that that's why he's he's going pro so uh, yeah just kind of whatever that's just smack talk but I think um I think the people who are going to wake up uh, in a cold sweat. Um, it, I don't think it's going to be anyone on the Arizona team. I do think it's going to be the Arizona fans, um, just because, like, you know, they they saw what Ed did to to Arizona last year. Granted, it was with Brandon Dawkins and not not Khalil Tate, so it's a little different. But um, you know, I I, mean, I don't think that they want anything. They obviously don't want anything like to happen. Uh, you know, like that to happen this year. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Arizona will do, um, you know, they'll game plan, they'll be ready for it. So we'll just have to see how the game goes, you know,
0: Coach, uh, end and sublin have both said they can't continue to give reps to all the quarterbacks. Uh, Jamari Joyner and Kevin Doyle are the more helded recruits. Uh, but little R, little R, and, uh, Kari Lane have more experience who you got, Gabe.
2: Yeah. So right now I think it's going to be Kevin Doyle, uh, A few comments from Noel Mazzoni, just kind of, kind of, I mean, the fact that he brought Kevin Doyle in as soon as the staff was hired, because you already had Jamar Joiner committed under Rich Rod's staff, but not signed. Uh, So as soon as this staff gets into town, they're already recruiting their pro-style guy. They land Kevin Doyle after he decommits from Michigan. And so uh, I think there's already just kind of that basis of, You know, none of these guys were Sumlin or Mazzoni guys, and now you actually get one late in the cycle with Doyle. So I think that already gives him the edge, and I do think he is probably the most talented and most well rounded of the backups. Um, And then also, when Mazzoni was talking, he was saying that no one had really stood out uh, from the group of six that they have there, which, you know, Kahari Lane is a very interesting prospect because of his background where he threw for 55 touchdowns and like four interceptions no power five offers and in the spring there was really nobody behind him other than Rhett and so he had the second team snaps all spring and you know to have I guess a whole season I mean he was probably scout team last season but to have the second team reps and still not kind of separate yourself a little concerning and i just don't think that the talent level is quite there compared to kevin so i think both kevin and jamarie will be the two and the three and then this redshirt rule also makes it incredibly interesting and also makes it a lot more appealing to play these two freshmen ahead of lane just because you have the four games to experiment It's not like if you threw them out, you're automatically burning that red shirt, so I think those two guys definitely benefit from that rule, and it's going to be interesting to see how much playing time exactly they're going to get, Um, you know, starting week one, you know, you got to have a pretty comfortable lead against BYU, and then you get Houston, so really your first shot might be Southern Utah, and then you could probably ease them into Oregon State if that's going well, and then... After that, you know, you just hope that Khalil Tate can stay healthy and, you know, you can have him in for backup situations where, you know, the game is a blowout on either side and hopefully it's going Arizona's way. But uh, I'll take the two freshmen for right now and then stack Kahari and Rhett and then Tovar and the newest walk-on who I'm blanking on. Ashworth. Yep, there we go. Luke.
0: Yeah, it's going to be um, interesting because we've gotten so accustomed to Rich Ride's uh, three cream puffs out of conference. Uh, for once, we don't really have that, and um, this opportunity's popped up as you point out with the four uh, four games before you have to burn a red shirt, and you sure would like to have a, a couple. Uh, Maybe a couple FCS or low FBS teams to really get everybody stacked up with the lack of experience we have behind Cleo Tate. But that's not how it's going to happen this year unless we really get out of the gates quick against BYU and, and like you said, maybe Oregon State. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, ASU's Manny Wilkins. Uh, whom uh, Khalil Tate affectionately referred to as the preacher last year when they had a little back and forth (laughs) on social media, went on an ABC interview and said he offered advice to Khalil Tate because, quote, I have been in that position before. Uh, Now uh, Manny Wilkins considers himself an acquaintance to Khalil Tate. But, But as far as it goes to being in that position before, what could he possibly be referring to, Gabe? He's never been a Heisman candidate to my knowledge.
2: Yeah, this one, well, at first, it was funny. When the story <laughs> came out, I thought it was the other way around, and I'm like, okay, maybe like that, uh, the story on Manny Wilkins and his mom and his dad and him going to law school. Now, I thought it was Cleel Tay offering him advice and because Manny's kind of getting a little bit of love this offseason, but once I, like, kind of reread it and saw that it was the other way, uh, yeah, I was just, yeah, I—, I mm. There's really not much to say. It was pretty funny (laughs) just to see that, just because, I mean, really nobody outside of the Pac-12 even knows Manny Wilkins, and I mean, yeah, he's an older guy, I guess, but Khalil's a very level-headed guy to begin with, and you know, doesn't really, you know, flaunt his status at all, and so, uh, yeah, just real head scratching, pretty funny to see, and so, yeah, I, I'm. I hope that there's more beef. I loved when, when he came out with the preacher Wil- Wilkins and that was just hysterical for me. Um but yeah. I, I don't know what Manny is doing, but yeah. to me,
1: man, it just sounds like he's just trying to trying to get into that, you know what I'm saying? He's just trying to get his name out there is all it sounds yeah. like.
0: Yeah, he he likes to tell everybody how it is. Perhaps he's been drinking the paint. Um, Brandon, <laughs> do you think uh, U of A students uh, will need a sign uh, prior to uh, going up on a mountain to whitewash? Ra uh, advising them
1: not to drink the paint, as clearly ASU worries about. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> There's, I don't see any U A students drinking paint. I do. Uh, I do find it like, hey man, number one in innovation, right? They got it. That's <laughs> drink paint.
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like um, dropping LSD or think tanks are well ahead of the curve. Man, Very innovative ideas, maybe not useful, but innovative. All right, gentlemen, what's more important, alcohol or EG sales at the stadium?
1: Uh, I, man, I think they're both equal. I'm gonna say they're both equally important, just because EG is a Tucson staple, and um, alcohol will produce more revenue. Um, for the stadiums or for the team and the
2: athletics department so I'm, I'm just gonna go with both now I guess I have a little bit more of a, a interesting perspective just because I had never really known about EG's until I actually got to Tucson uh, and so I remember meeting a lot of people from Tucson at school and they're like oh man EG's is the best part about Tucson and and it's just the greatest and so when I had it there was all this hype and to be honest uh, I'll probably get some heat for this but it was a little underwhelming I would say Mm. and yeah (laughs) yeah, I I mean sure it's refreshing but for me I'm like well if it's a slushy or like a shaved ice like yeah you know it's all the same in a mean so alcohol I think is going to go a long way and we're starting to see a lot of Pac 12 schools. Actually, ASU confirmed it like last week, and I think Colorado a, a day after, too. Uh, I think it's going to be big for Arizona and just the amount of attention that they've put onto kind of the whole fan experience, especially with the concessions. And I mean, they said that they've been improving the Wi Fi and all of that. I'm not sure if that's true, but uh, it's still garbage in there. But in no, terms the of Wi Fi, it's the worst. in terms of just the renovations that they're doing and and everything that they're trying to do uh, especially with the food they have pretty much a whole bunch of new vendors coming in and then these incredible waffle cone chicken tender strip basket things Uh, i'm really impressed and so i think that's really going to help really just sell the whole experience at arizona stadium and hopefully keep it full for a lot longer during the game I tell you you, yeah. man asu's
1: probably asu probably decided to sell alcohol to counteract the paint drinking
0: <laughs> that comes in paint so you're both wrong the key is alcohol in your egs it's a win oh uh,
1: man i didn't even think of that
0: that's innovation <laughs>
1: that um, will happen <laughs>
0: So do either of you guys know if they're going to do a beer garden thing? Because that beer garden gig, I hear it's like that at Colorado. Um, I know at Oregon you had to go out of the stadium down to their indoor facility at halftime to drink. Um, I don't know where the U of A would put um, beer gardens. They just don't have the concourse space. But when ASU blew up all its seats... um, and and made extra space they ha- they opened up all those concourse space but you have to actually go into these chain-linked little cubby areas to get a drink at ASU it's a it's a joke it's not even worth it you can sit at home and watch a game on TV and drink and
2: and you know it
0: takes the whole stadium experience out have you guys heard anything in that regard
2: no, I haven't. No, and yeah, the the garden would be, in. you'd have to have if you have a garden, you'd have to have a way to funnel them between Arizona Stadium and Bear Down Field, right behind it. But I just mm-hmm. don't see how that would happen.
0: So if we get lucky, you'll be able to take your beer to your seat, which is the only reasonable way to consume alcohol during a game. Yeah, exactly. I
2: don't.
1: I think the beer garden might be in the future, but this year I don't. I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah. Anyways, it's a mess at ASU. It's an absolute disaster. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they keep them in cages like dogs. So. <laughs> so we're far enough in camp that the depth chart has started to take shape. Uh, Gabe has recently tweeted is too deep. Uh, I think at this point we can start to call uh, impact freshmen who will play the season. The interesting twist uh, is the new four-game rule that allows you to play without burning a red shirt. I uh, want your guys' true red shirts, four-game red shirts, and no red shirt candidates.
2: Mm. Oh boy, that's tough. Okay, so for for oh man, for for burning your red shirt, the top guys for me are Christian Young and David Coleman. Um, those are just, I, Christian Young's a little interesting. He was my top recruit out of this past class, and he's playing Bandit, which is Demetrius, and then you kind of got Chacho back there and Xavier Bell. So a pretty crowded area. But I just feel like he's good. They're gonna find a spot for him on the field at some point. I think he'll also just contribute heavily on special teams. I could see him on both kickoff and kick return. Um, I think he's gonna. I, I think he's gonna be a good player for Arizona this season. And then uh, Coleman, I think he's gonna take over the starting bandit role. I love Tristan Cooper. He was my top pick in the 2016 class, actually. Uh, And he started as a true freshman and then took a backseat to Dane this past year. And so he's got the experience of at least a season and a half-ish under his belt. Uh, But uh, Coleman is just really good and ultra-athletic. You could play him anywhere, And kind of like Coleman, or like Young. You're going to find a spot for him uh, anywhere on the field. And he'll be a contributor on special teams as well. Uh, Brandon, do you have anybody else that you think will be a full burn. Yeah. I
1: actually think that Thomas Marcus is going to be a full burn. Um, Oh my God. I
2: forget about him. I
1: think that, I think that he's, you know, and and Gabe can, can help with Like, but Marcus, you know, being six, two, two or three, he's already got good size. He's super ultra athletic. I think he's going to be able to help with the outside receivers big time. Um, I actually think that, um, uh, Mikey Irving is going to burn his Richard He's. I don't think he'll Richard at all He'll be a good backup to uh, P.J. Johnson uh, And I know he's been running with the twos In fall camp So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much uh, playing time he gets But I, I do think that he will be burning um, And I actually think that uh, I'll go with I'll How go about Mackenzie Barnes Yeah, that's a good one I think that he will too, actually cuz yeah, especially
0: uh, with the cornerback depth issues, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, but uh, even Donovan Lay, man. I think that he's he's going to uh, burn his red shirt. I know coaches have been super impressed with him. A lot of people have been super impressed with him in camp and uh, I just think that, you know, he you know, he he's going to get a lot see a lot of playing time
0: yeah well, that you know that also could be the case with the offensive line if If Al-Sadek's knees are giving them trouble or if they have to make some body shuffles, you know depth's going to be important. They don't have a whole lot of people they can afford to sit on for this season uh, on the offensive line. Who are you guys thinking are going to be four game, four game players but are going to eventually take a red shirt? Ah oh,
2: man. Ah um, oh, man. I I think maybe Trey Adams. I think I really like the freshman trio of Trey Adams, Marcus Thomas, and Joshua Zott. Um, But I'm not sure. I think Thomas Marcus, I can't believe I forgot about him. (laughs) I think he will eventually be starting over Cedric Peterson. That spot is just up for grabs opposite of Sean Poindexter. So I think he'll be starting. And then Trey, I think he'll probably get in there. Same with Josh. Uh, And then I think a lot of freshman will probably i think zach williams and jake peters probably get four games uh especially on special teams at least i'm really interested to see zach williams kind of uh, kind of a clone of jamie nunley kind of ultra athletic He can split him out wide or keep him in line i really like what he, or the possibility of having him on the field uh I, I mikey could actually yeah i think he could burn his red shirt completely um uh, yeah yeah the four games uh, i probably would have pegged him before that but then just thinking about what brandon said i think he'll burn it all the way uh, uh isaiah johnson i'm just looking at the freshman list right now that one's pretty in- what um, brandon what do you where would you put isaiah i put isaiah with the four
1: games and then he'll redshirt just to get him enough experience behind uh fields or schooler um or rather schooler and i mean linebackers pretty set for the foreseeable future right now yeah. with, with fields and school are locking that down.
2: Yeah. And and then uh, do you have anybody else? Cause I, I have a few who I don't think they'll play at all and they'll just keep uh, their red shirt, man. I
1: think kind of like what we talked about earlier. I think that, uh, both, uh, Kevin and Jamari will do the foreign red shirt. Yeah. I think, um, I actually think that Nahe Salunga has a chance to do the foreign red shirt just to get him some experience. That way, when he comes in for his red shirt freshman season, uh, he'll be able to help out the defensive line even more because uh, he'll have some in-game experience. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I do the same.
1: I do agree with uh, Trey Adams and uh, Zach Williams. I'm really interested to see how they're used. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got for uh, well, Jalen Bailey. I think that it's even possible that they'll have him do four games and done, and that's just that may just be in the return game, though.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good point about Salonga. I didn't think about that. I, I I would have put him as a just a full red shirt just because I just making that position change because originally he's kind of he was kind of like a Kylan Wilborn in high school, and then he packed on like thirty pounds and once he got here, and now he's a defensive tackle. So now yeah you probably want to get him some games just to get him acclimated and and kind of see what he can do there and uh yeah i mean really the, I, I don't think there is too much reason to not play them for four games but i could see darius smith just kind of being the odd man out the running back situation is pretty deep with four scholarship guys or four five, let's see taylor tilford brightwell mariscal leon so yeah there's there's six scholarship running backs right now. So I I mean maybe he's a good kick returner. Uh, perhaps <laughs> he definitely yeah. has some speed and shiftiness, but that one is you know maybe he just I don't I don't see how you could jump any of those other running backs. They're all pretty solid workhorses. Um, Jalen Bailey, yeah, if he doesn't go kick return, probably doesn't get in there. David Watson's pretty interesting. Played right tackle in the sprint and rolled early. So that's definitely a help. Uh, but right tackle, you have Cody Creason. So unless they desperately need left tackle help with Theo, Blath, or Donovan, um, you know, I think he might just be the odd man out there, unless he gets some right guard time.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting on the offensive line, because that's the one place I would see them not rotating people in. So the defensive line with Salonga makes sense. Um, and, and my, you know, so so that it's interesting on the offensive line. Watson could be a candidate, but, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Who who's not going to get any time this year, Gabe?
2: Uh, I would just think it's Darius. I think that's Darius Smith, little 5'9 nine running back out of Texas. Um, you know, it, it's just hard for me to think that Anthony Mariscal and Brandon Leone would get beat out. Uh, Brandon's just a complete workhorse, and Mariscal was actually a really good running back back at uh, Liberty High School and you know making the switch i think he looked pretty good in the spring uh not quite the stanley Berryhill hill type of love uh for me just yet um but i mean it's interesting to see where tilfred even falls and and you know it doesn't look like he's going to be the number two guy it looks like gary brightwell has that for right now um so i think yeah just looking at darius i think he's kind of the odd man out and then potentially david watson and Jalen Bailey could be out there too. And I don't even think with uh with with Darius, it's not even the fact that he's not
1: talented, it's literally just that running back is so yeah. deep. Yeah. you pointed that out.
0: Yeah, you pointed that earlier Brandon that people shouldn't, you know, sleep on Tilford just going to the number 2 based on his on uh, or the number three or, or you know whatever jumping everybody else and being behind a uh, JJ. Um whether you want to call JJ the one or the two. Um so why don't you jump back into that and tell us, tell us you know, revisit that subject?
1: Well, I think that um, I think that Clarence McKinney is a good enough running backs coach. I mean, he's a really good running backs coach. Let's, let's not even beat around the bush here. But I think that he'll be able to uh, teach Tilford those little um, nuances to the running back or as a college running back and all those little nuances to his game, like, you know, uh, pass pro, picking up blitzes. Uh, little things like that, um, but it, it just might take a little longer. So I think probably within, uh, you know, within as the season goes on, I do expect um, Tilford to actually close that gap. I mean, his talent is undeniable. Uh, it's we, We've seen it. Uh, a few times during this, you know, regular season last year. And then during the spring game, he just kind of went wild and it was really fun to watch. Uh, But I think the only thing holding it back is, is picking up those little nuances of his position. So um, once he gets that, you know, under wraps and, you know, uh, the coaches are able to trust that he, he's got it under control and then he's, that he can do it. Then I expect him to close that gap rapidly.
0: And by nuances, are we basically talking about pass blocking because of the offensive line concerns?
1: Uh, not just pass blocking. I think that, um, you know, even, you know, what route to run. Um, I'm not so sure if that's as much of a problem, but, uh, or even just like, you know, doing like a kind of like a chip block and then go out for a pass. You know what I'm saying? Like you've seen that before, okay. like a running back will block and then disengage, um, and go off for a pass. So just, just those little things like that.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Bovada released, uh, the over unders, uh, for, uh, yards and touchdowns for, For the notable players around the country. Um, And Tate has an over under on total passing yards of 2550.5, passing touchdowns 20 and a half, rushing yards 1400 and a half, rushing touchdowns 13 and a half. Last season he threw for 1591 yards with 14 touchdowns. Obviously, they're expecting him to take a big uh, jump forward in his uh, passing yards and touchdowns. Um, He rushed for only uh, uh, 14-11 last year, um, but did have 12 touchdowns. Now, that was in a total of 11 games, so he's going to have a few more opportunities. But one thing I think you have to keep in mind is we don't have that gimme uh, pre-conference schedule to pad his stats. Uh, We're not going up against two FCS and a low FBS school for him to really light things up. Uh, But we do have a favorable schedule, including five home conference games, seven total home games, and we do miss uh, uh, Pac-12 North favorites, uh, Ferb and you dub uh, Give me your picks on the overs and unders. We're going to keep track of these and, and hold everybody accountable on this, boys.
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, go ahead. Oh, man.
1: Oh, God. Is oh,
0: Gabe going to bid $1 after Brandon makes all his picks? <laughs> he, probably, he
1: probably will. I'll t- I'm going to take the... I'm going to take the over on the passing yards. I'm going to take the – I'm going to take the – I'll go under on the passing touchdowns. I'll take the over on the rushing yards and over on the rushing touchdowns.
2: Okay. Okay i'll go i'm i'm going under on the yards i think he'll just barely miss it but then passing touchdowns i'll go over i think he'll get about 22 24 uh rushing yards i think he'll be able to clear that um really just 100 yards a game almost um and then rushing touchdowns I think this is probably the biggest one where I feel the most confident. I'll go over on that. I could see him getting 16, 17. Yeah, I, I feel most comfortable about that one for sure.
0: Uh, Brandon, which one's your your confidence pick of the floor? The passing yards, touchdowns, rushing yards, or rushing touchdowns? Uh,
2: d- actually,
1: for me, for the most confident one is the rushing yards. There's <clears> absolutely <throat> no way he'll get under that. He'll definitely get over
0: so I'm going to agree with you guys on the rushing yards. I think that's going to be a. I think that's going to be an easy over, especially as our offensive lines adjusting and that kind of jazz. So I agree with you guys there. I do agree with you guys on the over on the rushing touchdowns, and I agree with the yards as my confidence pick. I I don't know that we're going to have that many passing yards. I, I'd be surprised if he hit that. So I'm going to go under like Gabe did on the passing yards, and the passing touchdowns. I'm really torn on. I that's. That's not a lot to improve. And if he goes up another almost you know, 900 yards, he's going to throw a lot more touchdowns. So if he even gets close to that, he should have quite a few more touchdowns. So, um, man, that's a toughie. Uh, duh, duh, duh. I think I will go with the under. I think he's going to run more than we think he is this year. So that's, it's, on, it's on ink now, gentlemen, so in perpetuity we will be <laughs> rating right. ourselves on that. So uh, take it to your Las Vegas uh, establishment of choice and place those uh, like they're hot. Uh, uh, Gabe, uh, I really enjoyed your Where Are They Now article on Arizona Desert Swarm. It is incredibly exhaustive. Uh, do you have any players that you want to highlight?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. There are a few. I'll go in class by class order. I got it pulled up here. I think from the 2014 class, I mean, what kind of inspired it was Cam Denson. Um, I had seen, like, Marcus Griffin and Daryl Cloy and a few guys tweeting about Camp and Keenan Walker. I've been keeping tabs on him as well um, and saw that Cam was on NAU's roster. So I think that's pretty interesting. You know, just an electrifying four-star kid, top 100 recruit out of Tucson, just didn't really live up to the potential on defense, you know, just got burned quite a bit, flipped over to offense and kind of had some injuries that held him back. And so uh, now I'm just a graduate student there at NAU and uh, I I hope he does well. I hope he can stay healthy there. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting also from 2014 class. I think it's interesting um, with a lot of the, higher end guys, or at least just with Marquise Ware, uh, just medically retired. And then Jordan Poland, he was arrested for kidnapping for ransom. Uh, and don't know much about that after, wasn't
0: he the guy who went, who was a USC commit and then he got busted for the laptop.
2: Stealing yes. yeah everything. yeah he stole like a laptop in a boom box or something yeah
0: something stupid yeah boy he really yeah. escalated quickly going straight to <laughs> holy moly yeah uh
2: 2015 class keenan walker he ran into some trouble here now he's at independent cc had a lot of camera time on last chance you but didn't play he was injured um his dad said that he is 100 percent going back to independence so we'll see if he is uh, in line for a starting role there um let's see after that uh, nobody too interesting in the 2016 class or 2015 in terms of where they went afterwards 2016 we'll yeah, really talk
0: about orlando bradford for sure let's skip that one <laughs>
2: yeah mm-hmm. um and yeah and we know what happened there. but 2016 2017 just a lot of guys who uh, kind of just left and we didn't really hear anything from them or, um, just decommitted and just went elsewhere. So Gavin Robertson, he, he left the program after he was in line to potentially start at weak side linebacker, uh, with Tony fields, those two guys were kind of competing, um, and he had bulked up, he moved down from safety and now he's at Montana, um, Justin Holt, that's a very interesting one. A three-star legacy kid, also from Sal Point. Um, medically retired, then went to Eastern Arizona on um, Safford Thatcher. And then he's just been at Pima for the past two years, it seems. Uh, Shay Patterson, this was kind of a, a long, long time ago. Um, but he was like committed as a freshman in high school. Uh, his brother was a staff member for Arizona. He committed here, and then his brother went to LSU, and everyone thought Shea was going to follow him to LSU. Then his brother made it to Ole Miss, and that's where Shea Patterson went. And then all these scandals came down with Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze and his cell phone and these dancers. (laughs) And um, now he's at Michigan, and now he's potentially going to be the starter. I don't know if he's still waiting on that hardship or uh, whatever kind of waiver he was waiting on. Uh, Devon Modster, that there was a big log jam at quarterback uh, back in the day, and now it's uh, not really the case. It's just a lot of young guys. Uh, he's at UCLA, potentially in the running for QB1 uh, over there. He's got um, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, and then Willem Spate, uh, the Michigan transfer as well. Uh, then they had a lot of gray shirts and a lot of decommitments in this class as well. Sean Riley's at Syracuse, kind of doing this and that. Uh, Tyreek Rainer, he was a gray shirt candidate, so he left for a temple. Hasn't really done much. Um, Jabari Watson, a defensive tackle, he was asked to gray shirt and ended up at Boise State. Jake Burton, he just flipped late in the process to UCLA. He was a high-end three-star D-end. Now he's an offensive guard, and he has played some time there. Uh, pretty interesting with Capri Doucette. This guy was a Juco All-American kid, committed to Arizona, and then when uh, Jeff Castile and that whole gang got fired, he decommitted and went to Oklahoma, uh, played in a couple games, and then just kind of fell off, and now he is at Hampton University. Um, and then, eh, yeah, we'll go to the 2017 class. Uh, kind of... Interesting to see so many guys from just a uh, class ago already leave. But Mason Knight, uh, he's going back to Ventura College, and that really hurts Arizona's O line depth. I'm wondering, um, you know, if he wishes that he would have stuck it out because he could have potentially been in line for some time. Bryce Gilbert, uh, he was a tight end at of Higley, just left the team and still a student at Arizona. Jose Ramirez, he uh, transferred, and I don't know if he's in football at this moment. Now we get to the fun part with the decommitments. Yeah, Greg Johnson uh, really committed because of Dante, so once Dante left and broke up the family, everyone left. (laughs) Burmeister was persuaded to Oregon. Uh, Austin Falu, a big-time defensive tackle, flipped to Oregon. Darian McNeil... Had a previous relationship with Tiger flipped to Oregon, uh, decided to transfer, and he's still kind of looking around. Um, was interested in Arizona and also Minnesota because uh, Jamal Adai, who recruited him at Arizona, is now there, um, but still seems to be searching for a home. Cody Shear, this one was a little frustrating, um, mm-hmm. did not receive an offer until the night before National Signing Day, and he flipped to Oregon. Um, So, yeah, just kind of a last resort there, but wanted to stay hometown. And after that, just kind of here and there, I think the big loss, well, well, maybe not so much a big loss because you had three freshmen. Delshawn Phillips uh, wanted to go to Illinois over Arizona, decommitted, and uh, he led Illinois in tackles with 86 and was eighth in the Big Ten in tackles per game. And then uh, hopping into the 2018 class, the big blows – they're both going to Arizona Western now. Jevon Hill and Adam Plant—they're now going there. I forgot. I totally forgot about Hacky Woods, uh, safety out of Pima Community College. He flipped to Oregon as well. Also forgot about Josh Walker. He was a three-star defensive tackle. He had ASU, Minnesota, and Wake Forest in his top three, and then ended up committing to Arizona. Uh, but then decommitted and then he signed with chattanooga so pretty interesting there martel erby oh man this one stings for me and brandon <laughs> mm. uh, he, he was probably like a top five commit for me at the time uh, got a late offer to ucla and then just completely shut down his social media no one knew if he was still committed ended up signing with ucla and that pretty much highlights uh kind of the key guys throughout the past four or five years now. Uh, you yeah, know, and where they are.
0: Brandon, is there anybody you want to add on to?
2: Uh I just wanna take a
1: like I just to talk about Martel Irby for a second, man. Like Gabe and I were super excited. I, I it took me a minute to, I had to hype him up a little bit. You know, hey Gabe, keep watching Phil, keep watching film. and then Gabe just slowly fell in love with him, and like we were in love together with him, and it was great. And then, yeah, UCLA came in, and we're you know, it was kind of kind of worrisome for both of us. And you know, we tried to, we, we both were keeping an eye on it very very closely. And uh, you know, when early signing period came and went, and no word from Martell Irving. and I was like, well, that's not a good sign. Gabe's like, well, that's not a good sign. And lo and behold, he went to UCLA. So that one, that one hurt right in the fields. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Jevon Hill and Adam plant. That one what those two were, uh, it's just, it's just frustrating. I mean, plant plant would have been great to have along the defensive line. And when, you know, Arizona needs Jevon with, uh, you know, with the cornerback depth issue. So that one, that one's rough, uh, you know the string of guys flipping to Oregon was disgusting uh, I don't think anyone really wants to talk about that one um, well, apparently
0: Nebraska's not forever
1: Yeah, uh, right they're not family either right um, <laughs> you know the Braxton Burmeister one that one just like made me scratch my head more than anything I've never seen such shenanigans uh, so that was that was interesting um cody shear was also pretty i was you can ask gabe we had we had cody shear um i wrote cody shear's uh signing article and i was super excited about him because you know we had you know both gabe and i had you know talked to him and everything and he was a good kid and everything and then boom we, we all of a sudden see that he's signing with oregon and we're like what what just happened um Craig Johnson was also pretty rough, but Tony Wallace, uh, Gabe didn't mention him, but that one, that one this kid easily had f- top four hundred, you know, uh talent, but his academics are just a mess. And that's 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 just that's that's painful to see, you know. I wish the kid best of luck and hope he gets gets everything figured out. But man, that one's that one's interesting. Uh Josh Allen. Oh god, that one all right, let's. We're just gonna skip that. Um, Jabari Watson was an interesting one. That one would kind of, um, that one kind of sucked because uh, this was around the time when Arizona really needed some uh, good big bodies along the defensive line, and Jabari Watson was that guy. And then Rich Rod asked him to gray shirt, and that was it. And then everyone was just kind of wondering why. So. Uh yeah, that one's that one's rough. Uh Kahi Neves was kind of a kind of a surprise to me. Um, but even at the same time I guess it wasn't because apparently he moved around high schools a lot. So it was just, just kind of like the flags were there, but you know, most of a sudden it happened. So uh, let's see going up the line. Anthony Fotu, Man, I I remember watching his first game, it was against Oregon State and that's when he returned that he had that pick six uh it was the same same game where will parks just absolutely knocked the snot out of uh who was it Jordan, jordan yeah jordan villaman yeah uh and i think a couple plays later a couple series later that's when folks who got that pick six so i was really excited about him coming in you know he had a lot of hype coming out and then like he just couldn't and <laughs> just couldn't keep it together so that was that one sucked um yeah, and then you know, and then Denson. He was a good he was a good corner. Uh, he was really solid at corner. I just I just wish that the that Richard would have kept him, you know, at receiver when he came in because that's where his heart was. That's where he shined the most. And uh you know, and then he decided to make decisions, to switch him to corner. And then uh yeah, just yeah. what's not yeah, it's just rough.
0: Yeah, let's not have Gabe go into his list of four stars that didn't uh, pan out for the Cats. It always sends me into a tailspin, <laughs> a slight depression. I'll,
1: I'll, it's too uh, late for me to start drinking. Yeah, exactly. Jordan Poland.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, um, Gabe, I loved your Wildcats in the NFL article. Um, I strongly recommend uh, we keep it as an ongoing segment. Uh, give us a breakdown of the guys who stood out to you in NFL preseason. Uh,
2: yeah, so far, so I think – well when when making this list i kind of i was kind of surprised by at least just the amount of like talent that arizona has in the nfl kind of just going down the line it's pretty solid compared to just i guess the recent memories of rich rudd not really having any draft picks or any notable guys Um, a, a lot of them are stoop guys but i was pretty impressed overall with the list of just guys that have kind of stuck around but I think the biggest guy who's really made a huge impression this preseason has been Reggie Gilbert. Um, he's made a lot of plays the last two weeks, um, and he was on, He was just practice squad for the past two years, uh, got called up for two games last season, and now he's doing really well for himself. Week one, uh, two tackles, four quarterback hurries and a hit. Uh, on 19 passing, pass rushing snaps, and this past, uh, I believe it, he played on Thursday, uh, two and a half sacks and a forced fumble. Uh, so really looking good uh, to make the roster. Uh, the, apparently, there's some concerns with their outside linebackers and their age. So Reggie's really in a good spot there. Uh, Will Parks, another guy who really continues to play well. Uh, he had. Uh, five tackles in a sack last week. I'm not too sure on his stats this past week. Um, and then on Thursday, Scooby Wright had a really good game for the Cardinals. I think he finished with six tackles and he had a pass deflection that ended in an interception. Uh, a couple other guys uh, with Caleb Jones and Trey Griffey, they had a pair of catches for about 20 ish yards. Uh, so they're trying to stick Trey, kind of log jammed right there with the receivers in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then Caleb is on a futures contract, so uh, they can kind of afford to keep him on the roster there. And then Dane Krukshank actually. So the, their, the Tennessee Titans fifth round pick week one, he got hurt. Um, he was kind of in line to start at strong safety for them, uh, but he hurt his right shoulder, I think, diving for a muffed punt. And he did not play, and he was held out of practice this week. So hopefully he gets back to full health and can get going. Uh, Just to highlight the rest of the guys in the NFL. Uh, Beer doesn't look like he's played in the past two games, but he's still there. Uh, Marquise Flowers kind of has a solidified role. Doesn't really play a whole lot. Nick Foles, um, actually, he got hurt this past week himself. So hopefully that's nothing serious, uh, but didn't really play in week one. Robert Golden, he actually, uh, with the Chiefs, he just requested um, to be released. Apparently, it just wasn't a good fit for him, so he'll be looking for a new home. Uh, Gronk doesn't need to play. Earl Mitchell, uh, in line to start at nose tackle for the 49ers, um, and so he's kind of a big part of that defense. That's a pretty good D-line in the making uh brooks reed for the falcons uh he's kind of battling uh tack mckinley for the number one spot Shaq richardson uh he was with the raiders he just got waved with a knee injury and that's it for the nfl guys so a pretty decent list of guys there um and they've been at least uh the guys who have been fighting for a roster spot they've been doing pretty well so always Actually, good to see uh... And uh, Shaq Richardson actually cleared waivers, so
1: he's he's still with the Raiders. He's just on injured reserve. Oh, that's right, that's right. And then uh, Jake Alsadek just signed with the uh, Cowboys. Oh, yeah, yeah, forgot about that one. So that's that's because because he remember he had signed with was it with the Alliance of American Football. Yeah. He signed with Phoenix, and then uh, yeah, he got he got you know the Cowboys swooped in and got him.
0: Thank God he doesn't yeah. have to doesn't have to be under Coach Newhazel. Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I really like how uh, Gerhard De Beer has really settled in in Buffalo. He seems like a real natural up there on social media and stuff. So <laughs> uh, he's definitely. Uh... He's definitely settling it up there. Well, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to stick uh, on the roster. I wanted to give a shout-out to Kevin Newman for getting called up from Triple A Indy to the Pirates. Uh, he didn't have any at-bats, but uh, he's up on the, the Major League roster, so we'll see where that goes. I know he's blazed through the, the Pirates minor league system and is the number six prospect in their farm system, so that's, that's great for him, uh, a fast mover in the minors. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Gentlemen, bear down.
1: Bear down. Bear down.